And let me uh, let me let me let you in on a bit of a secret. I love hot cross buns. I love them. I love the smell. I love eating them. Oh, I just love hot cross buns. In fact, it's made even better by the fact that Emily, my amazing wife, well, she makes them for me. It's for the family, but really it's for me. I just love hot cross buns. It's the smell that is truly amazing. But it's not just hot cross buns that smell amazing. It's, it's bread, isn't it? Bread just smells so good when it's, it's freshly baked out of the oven. Uh, even the discipleship team that I belong to, some, some bread was baked this week and oh, last week, and someone was like, oh, this smells delicious. We love the smell of bread. In fact, did you know that if you're trying to sell your house, the agent who uh, is uh, selling your house for you, they'll say, bake some bread in your house so the smell is kind of floating around the house and then your house will be more desirable. People will want to buy it. We love bread. And you see, bread is such an important part of so many different cultures. Sure, it comes in different shapes and sizes, but it's really important depending on, on where you're from. So uh, good old Google told me this. It's the mantu in China, chapati in India, uh, pandasel in the Philippines, and of course the baguette uh, in France. You're not sitting on that side, Jono, the baguette. Um, bread plays an important part uh, in our culture. In fact, there's even a Wikipedia page, bread and culture. Amazing. Uh, bread is a staple and is so important in different cultures. And so as Jesus feeds this massive crowd with bread uh, and fish, uh, the bread's on, bread is the focus. He shows the importance of the life-giving bread, uh, to eat this bread, and that this bread won't sustain just for today, but will sustain you forever. Jesus is the bread of life. Uh, we're looking at uh, most of chapter 6 uh, today. I'm going to briefly go over the first part that wasn't read for us, and we're just going to focus in on, on the end part. But as we follow uh, along the story again at the start of chapter 6, uh, we find that Jesus is in Galilee once again, uh, and there's a large crowd that have come to follow him like they have in the past. Uh, and so there's a crowd of 5,000 men, and that would have been about... 20,000 people if you include the uh, women and children. This massive crowd, they have flocked uh, to Jesus. And Jesus, what's he do? Well, he feeds this massive crowd of people with a small boys, five loaves uh, of bread. Think, Think of a bread roll, five small bread rolls and two small fish. Jesus feeds this massive crowd and the crowd, well, they are satisfied They eat, they're full. I'm sure some people ate so much they had to loosen their belts. And yet, so much food they ate and still there's 12 baskets of food left over. Incredible. And after seeing this, well, the people are impressed, aren't they? And so they intend to force Jesus to become king. But see, before that can happen, well, Jesus ducks away and, and withdraws up the mountain by himself. And while he's on his own up in the mountain, well, his disciples, well, they jump in a boat and they head across the Sea of Galilee to head back uh, to Capernaum. But you see, they end up in a, in a storm and they're kind of blown way off track to where they need to be. And so the disciples, whilst they're out in the sea, kind of, kind of lost a bit, Jesus, well, he leaves his mountain retreat and, and comes down and he walks three to four miles or about five to six kilometres across the water to meet his disciples. 
And as you'd imagine, the disciples, well, they're freaking out. Who's this dude walking on water? But, you know, they, they welcome him onto the boat and immediately they reach the shore. Now, these two incredible stories that come before our reading, well, they show us a couple of things about Jesus. There are a couple of things that we've just seen again and again and again through the book of John's Gospel, uh, that Jesus is powerful and that Jesus' true identity, that he is the divine Son of God. Because who else could do these miraculous things? Who else could speak and feed such a large crowd of people with such a little amount of food? And who else could rule the raging sea by by calmly walking across the water to his disciples and bring them to safety? You see, these, these stories, they show us Jesus' power and his true identity, that he is the God-man, the Word become flesh who dwelt among us. Jesus is at work in his world, in our world. And while we really could spend a long time looking at those two stories, John kind of shifts the focus and, uh, and hones in on a conversation that Jesus has with, with the crowd that follow him. Uh, and he really focuses in on, on, on the loaves of bread. But before we get into the, to the bread, I thought it would be good to, to have a look at the crowd. What, what do we see about this crowd? Well, they are sign seekers. Have a look there. Flip back over to chapter 6, verse 2. There we see a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. For us who have been uh, following along in John's gospel from the start, and our alarm bells really should be ringing for us here. Here are people who are coming to Jesus, who follow Jesus, who believe in Jesus because they have seen the signs. But what we've seen again and again is those people who come to, to see, uh, well, they've missed the point. They miss what the signs, these amazing things that Jesus has done, they miss what they are pointing to, that they point to Jesus' true identity as as God and that they don't have genuine faith. And despite seeing an incredible sign, 20,000 people fed from nothing, well, well, they don't get it. And so Jesus explains to them what their true motive is in coming to Jesus. Check out verse uh, 26. Uh, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. They've come because they're impressed by the food they ate. They're not interested in what the sign pointed to. They've missed the significance, but were glad to have eaten for free. Now let's be honest, who doesn't love a free meal? I love free meals. If I can get a free meal, I'm there. I'll line up for ages uh, for a free meal. When I was a kid, I used to go to Box Hill Station all the time and all these like promotional people would go there and give out free food. It was wonderful. And so I would just keep on going back, get more food and then put in my bag and then get more food and keep on going back. Free food is excellent. We love free food. And the crowds, well, they love the free food as well. But you see these sign seekers... They want more help to believe. Despite seeing what they've seen, so many people fed, they are bold and audacious enough to ask 
for another sign. Have a look there at verse 30. They, they ask, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. What more can you do for us, Jesus? But they do raise an interesting point by raising manna. Uh, in the Old Testament, God's uh, brought the Hebrews, God's people, out of slavery. They were slaves in Egypt. And he took them out of that land and brought them into the, their own land, the promised land. But before they enter, well, the people, they, they grumble. They complain that there wasn't enough food. And so God, in his kindness and, and mercy, well, he provides bread from heaven for them to eat. God provides manna, like, like thin flakes, like frost that kind of covered the ground. And each day the people would go out there six days a week to, to collect the bread and uh, to collect this manna and they could mix it up and, and, and bake bread. And there was enough every day for every person. And so this talk about bread really gets the crowd thinking, ah, oh, Moses provided bread for us from heaven, but what are you going to do, Jesus? But see, Jesus explains that actually it's not Moses who provided this manna for the people. It was God the Father who provided this bread. And so he says, verse 33, check it out. The, the bread of God is the bread that came down from heaven and gives life to the world. And this life-giving bread, well, the crowd, they want it. Give us, give us this bread, yeah. Verse 34, sir, always give us this bread. The crowd, the sign-seekers, they've interacted with Jesus. They try to understand what's kind of going on, but they miss the point. They, they see the signs, they see the food, they love the free meals but they don't understand that what Jesus has done and, and the significance of what that points to. And so what Jesus does is he goes on to explain that he is, Jesus is the bread of life and that we need to come to him and eat. And when we do, we will receive eternal life. I find verse 51 a bit of a summary. Check, check it out, verse 51. Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Uh, three times uh, in the passage that was read, we see Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Throughout, we see that Jesus is the bread of life who is what? He has come from heaven. He says that again and again and again. He has come from heaven. And he's the one who has been sent by the Father, who is sent by the Father and to do the Father's will. He is the true bread from heaven. Unlike the manna that, manna that, that perishes, that doesn't last, this true bread lasts. It doesn't perish, it will endure. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life and we must eat this bread. Again, verse 51, check it out. 
I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. I wonder what you're, what you're thinking there as, as, as we read that. What, what kind of cannibalism is, is kind of going on here? And certainly the crowds, they're, they're confused, aren't they? Did you see that in verse 52? How can this man give us his flesh to eat? But looking at the, the whole passage is, is, is really helpful because the question is, how do we eat this, this bread of life? Well, the answer is we, we come to Jesus in faith. Uh, verse 35 is, is really helpful here. Check out verse 35. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. We see here that to come to Jesus and to believe in him means that you will no longer thirst or no longer be hungry. You see, to eat Jesus is to come to him in faith. And it's what John has been showing us throughout this gospel. He uses different language. He's used the language of, you must be born again. You must drink the living water. And now he describes that you must eat the bread of life. And that is to come to Jesus in faith. Our passage expresses it in lots of, lots of different ways. I'm not sure if you, you picked them up to verse 29, to, to believe in the one that he has sent. In verse 37, it is to come to Jesus. It is to to look to the Son and believe him in verses 40 and, and 47. And it is the one who is taught by God, who's heard the Father and has learned from him. That is the one who comes to Jesus. We say that in verse 45. And so to eat this bread, of life is to come to Jesus in faith, to hear his word and believe. And just on a, on, on a side, uh, to eat and drink here, it doesn't refer to the Lord's Supper. Uh, it's metaphorical language, as we've seen, for coming to faith and trusting in Jesus. Jesus isn't describing the practice of the Lord's Supper. He's pointing to his work on the cross that we celebrate at Easter in his death and resurrection, which the Supper points to when we eat this bread. We come to Jesus in faith. John 6 shows us that there is a human responsibility in coming to Jesus. We are responsible that we will hear Jesus and that we will respond to him in the right manner, in the appropriate manner, that is to come to him in faith. We cannot deny the human side of coming to Jesus from this passage. We are exhorted to to look to Jesus, to learn from the Father, to eat and drink in faith. Otherwise, verse 53, have a look there. Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. This is not a a force feeding on display. We can't force people to believe. We may really want someone to know and believe this wonderful news that we know and believe, but we can't force someone forcing someone does not produce genuine faith. People are responsible 
uh, for the decision they make is whether they will follow Jesus or not. And so we pray. We pray that people will listen, that they will take Jesus at his word and believe. But I wonder if you notice the other side at play here as well. While people are responsible for the decision they make to, to come to Jesus in faith and believe, at the same time, God is sovereign. He chooses and elects those he'll save. God's sovereignty and, and human responsibility are both at play at the same time. Seen most clearly, I think, in verse 37. Check out verse 37. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. So the Father is the one who gives people uh, to Jesus, who, who gives faith, that is God's sovereignty, a work, God's election, God's choice, and yet people are still coming to him. People come. People need to come. That is human responsibility. And we said again in verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. People won't come to faith unless the Father draws them and brings them near. Now, whenever we talk about God's sovereignty, it can raise so many questions and certainly much debate about how this kind of works. But what I think this is a really good and helpful teaching for us to, to understand is that it gives us great assurance. It gives us great confidence and great comfort and great peace, knowing that when we come to Jesus in faith, we have been accepted by God and that we will receive the hope of the resurrection. You see, God is with us and he will not let us go. Verse 39, this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me. God's sovereignty, God's choice, God's election is a great encouragement and comfort for us. It gives us confidence and assurance that when we come to Jesus in faith and continue to come to him in faith, we will not be lost and he will hold on to us. Jesus is the bread of life. <clears throat> and we're to eat this bread by coming to him in faith. And when we do, we will receive eternal life. Again, verse 51. Have a look there. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. By eating Jesus, the, the living bread coming to him in faith, we will receive eternal uh, life. We see that again and again and again, repeated again and again throughout this passage, that those who, who come to him will be, will be raised on the last day, will be raised to life, and that they will receive eternal life. Again and again and again we see it. But the question is, how does Jesus give us eternal life? Again, have a look there at verse 51. I'll read a bit more this time. I am the living bread that came down from heaven, Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Jesus tells us that he will 
give his flesh, his, his body, for the life of the world. And I'm sure the crowds who are listening to Jesus at this point are kind of like, mm, what are you, what, what's kind of going on here, Jesus? What are you talking about? But, but for us who have been kind of following along from, from the start of, of John's Gospel, we've kind of already been seeing glimpses of, of this as we've kind of gone. And so John the Baptist, for instance, in the opening chapter says, Jesus, who is he? Well, he is the, the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. Jesus says to Nicodemus that the Son of Man would be lifted up and that those who believe may have life. And while today is, is Palm Sunday and we celebrate the, the triumphant entrance of, of Jesus into Jerusalem, it's what we celebrate on, on Friday, this Friday, Good Friday, in how Jesus gives his flesh for the life of the world. On Good Friday, we remember that Jesus, with it, he died, that he was nailed to a cross, that he hung on that cross and died to save and rescue us. You see, what we might not realise is that we have a problem. We are broken people. We have a broken relationship with the God Almighty, the powerful one who, who made us and everything we see and sustains us and everything we see. We, we haven't respected and honoured him the way that we should as our maker and our judge and God is angry. God is angry at me. God is angry at you. But you see, Jesus gave his life and took the punishment in our place so that we wouldn't be punished. You see, death is not the end. Next Sunday we will celebrate the resurrection when Jesus stood up from the grave. And here's the thing. When we come to Jesus, the bread of life, and trust him, we are given this resurrected life as well. We too will will stand up from the grave and have eternal life. And so once again we're urged, as we've seen again and again and again in this book, that we are to believe in Jesus. And so if you don't believe in Jesus and are here with us today, it's, it's wonderful to have you here with us this morning. Let me encourage you to listen to Jesus. And believe in him for eternal life. Jesus fed that massive crowd and he feeds us today. If only we would come to him and hear him and learn from him and believe. Let me encourage you to listen and learn that you might believe. And for us who do believe, John 6 is a great encouragement, isn't it? To to continue Believing Jesus is the, the bread of life that lasts. And so we need to eat on him, be nourished by him. And, and we do that by having a personal relationship with Jesus. It's through that that we are spiritually fed and satisfied. And so let me ask you, how are you going? How are you going in your, your personal relationship with Jesus? Are you being spiritually fed 
and satisfied on, on this bread each day? There are so many things that distract us, that leave us hungry and unsatisfied in this world, that give us some pleasure but don't truly satisfy. Television, Netflix, YouTube, they're all the same thing, I just realised. TV, Netflix, YouTube, uh, video games, sport, overwork, overstudy. And see, I'm just listing the things that I struggle with. Are they your struggles as well? We can get so caught up in life and forget to give God the time we need to be spiritually fed and satisfied and can forget and neglect the time we need to, to read the scriptures and to, and to pray. And so we need to work out ways that will work out for each one of us, whatever our circumstances are, that we can figure out ways that can help us sink our teeth regularly on God's word and to meditate on them and to grow and to pray in response. For myself, things, the way I have done that has changed over the years. Let me give you a couple of examples of the way I have done that. Before I was married, so as a single bloke, the very first thing I would do in the morning in bed was read the Bible and pray. I would set my alarm half an hour before I needed to and I would give that time to God. Half an hour. It was great. I found it really helpful. I was converted. I'd just been a Christian. And I, and, I, and I found it so helpful. I felt fed and grew massively. But then I got married and, and particularly having children and, and that's never going to work. Uh, and so the first thing I did was as soon as I got to my desk in the morning was to read the Bible and pray. And that just meant that because it was the first thing i do, I, I don't forget. I don't get distracted. I, it's the first thing, and it, and it sets me up through the rest of the day. There are so many things that we could be doing. If you catch the train to work, you could do it on the, or you could do it on the train. You could do it on the couch before you pick up the remote. You could do it kneeling beside your bed, kneeling so you don't fall asleep, uh, uh, so that you do it. You see, you need to work out what is best for yourself to do, that you may be nourished and and fed on on this bread that gives life. But we do need to give Jesus the time that we may be working on that relationship, that we may be spiritually fed and satisfied. Another thing that we can do is to meet regularly with God's people, fellow believers. It's wonderful to see you all uh, here today. Be committed to regularly coming to church and and gathering with God's people. Be committed to a a discipleship team. These these places, our church and and our midweek discipleship teams, they're they're a helpful gathering where we can be reminded to, to live for Jesus, to feed on him and to be satisfied. Particularly in a world that wants to drag us away from this good stuff that we need. Look, there are so many more things that we could be doing. I've only just mentioned a couple of things. Why don't today, uh, during morning tea today, after our our formal time together, why don't you share with one another what you're going to do this week to, to, to feed and nourish this bread, that you might be nourished and satisfied on the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. We must come to him and eat him. 
that we may receive eternal life. Let's pray. Father God Almighty, we are so thankful for our Lord Jesus. We thank you so much that he is the bread of life who gave his body that we may live. Father, help us to nourish, be nourished and to feed on him regularly that we may grow, that our relationship with him may, may deepen and, <clears throat> and that we may flourish. Help us encourage one another to do that well. Father, we thank you so much for John's gospel that again and again we are encouraged and urged to believe the Son, to take Jesus at his word and to believe. Father, help each one of us do that, maybe for the first time or just daily, that we may be ready, standing firm for the, on the day when Jesus returns in glory and raises us up in glory to be with him in heaven. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.